yeah, it was cold. Really cold. You might even be able to pick up a trace of the sniffles from me over the course of this particular program. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. Hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas. I know that the people who are thawing out from that experience over at Akershire Stadium had themselves the experience of a lifetime based on what I've heard from them. And I've heard from a lot of them. It was emotional. It was challenging. And not just in the, you know, physical, I'm freezing my rear end off kind of way. But it also was satisfying and powerful and a reminder of the amazing bond, the legitimately unique bond. I'm using the word unique correctly the way the French intended it. There's just one between this franchise and this city. The people who came to this game, the people who weathered that cold storm, who I got to tell you, we have the the DK Pittsburgh Sports Headquarters slash shop downtown on Fifth Avenue. So I was working down there in the afternoon before heading over to the stadium to cover the game, and I didn't want to cross the street. I didn't want to cross the street, and I am not one of those people who has cold phobia. You're listening to somebody who has Winnipeg as his second favorite city on the planet, okay? But this was something different. This was something that was unlike anything that had hit here, at least in a very, very, very long time. And these around 40,000 or so people, because the place holds... 68,000. The official announced attendance was 66. Uh, Not attendance. It was paid. It was tickets sold. And I've covered almost every game that's ever taken place in this stadium. And I'd like to think I have a pretty good gauge for how big a crowd is or how small a crowd is. And this was, for me, it was around 40, uh, maybe just a little bit under it. But that's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Have you noticed I haven't even mentioned anything about Steelers 13, Raiders 10? Not yet. We've got time. For me, this was about what took place off the field, what took place before the game, what took place at halftime, and everything converging the way that it did on this one night where everyone bonded together, whether they were super important people like T.J. Watt or just Joe Fan sitting up there in the back row of the yellow bleachers. The bleachers. They don't even have backs to the seats. They're sitting up there just exposed in the wind. How and why they didn't move somewhere else, I don't know. Maybe it's a good luck thing to sit in your spot, but they stayed up there. A lot of them did move down closer to the field because it was a little bit more, little, little, little bit more sheltered. But you saw people all through the stadium just 
stay where they belong and stand and scream their lungs out. And you saw the players respond in a way I'm sure that I've never seen there. What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect, rigor, relevance. That's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. I asked Arthur Mollette after he had one of the three big interceptions in the second half, about his reaction to what these fans went through. Man, that's why I, I was telling him, like, I was on the sideline and I was giving them little hearts like this because it's like, bro, that's love. Yeah, because it's love, man, because at the end of the day, it's negative 12 out there. And it's like, do I even want to play this? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I got to. So if they out there just chilling in the stands, you know, cheering us on, man, that just means the world to me. I asked Kevin Dotson, too. I mean, it, it just shows who a real fan and stuff like that because I know I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm from the South, and I'm no way I was sitting in there. I'm not going to lie. I would watch it on TV, cheer from, uh, from the house, but um, them being out there just shows like how much dedication they have to this uh, organization. That's great. <laughs> I mean, the fact that both of those guys were comfortable saying to me that they'd have never done that. They'd have never gone and sat in that cold. They could be a big sports fan like you heard Dotson acknowledge that he is, but never that big. Never that big. A lot of the fans that I heard from said that the first and foremost reason that they came to this game, that they toughed it out, was to honor the memory of Franco Harris. At halftime, in a beautiful, subtle, understated, and in a classy way, I thought, ceremony, Art Rooney barely made it through the thing, and it was compounded by Dana Dukmanovich, Mr. Harris's wife, kind of crumpling a little bit into his shoulder as he spoke. The Harris's son, Doc, was also up there, and seated in front of them were all of these legends, including Mean Joe Green and Mel Blunt, there to help the Harris family, but also to recognize formally and in person their teammate it was an extraordinary scene unto itself and then the football team somehow somehow magnifies even that by taking the field and saving all of its best for the second half the defense certainly i mentioned the three interceptions but I'd be terribly remiss if not mentioning the best player on the field for either side in Cam Hayward, the one who'd run out onto the field with the the 32 flag reminiscent of Ben Roethlisberger doing so with the DMR insignia after Dan Rooney's passing. And Cam was a monster, just eating Raiders alive unblockable, unstoppable. All that was left was for the offense, Mr. Harris's side of the ball, to step up. And for that to come courtesy of a handful of foundational youngsters in the form of Kenny Pickett, a rookie, Pat Fryermuth, second-year guy, Najee Harris, second-year guy, George Pickens, another rookie, the young guys on the left side of the offensive line. 
And I brought that up with Dotson too. And he responded, man, we wanted this. We knew everybody wanted it. But we wanted this for ourselves too, meaning as an offensive line. We wanted to take that next step. We wanted to use this game, this drive as a launching point. And maybe, maybe Dotson didn't know what he was saying as he was saying it. But yeah, I'm thinking pretty much the same thing you are when you hear it, right? Who used the launching point in 1972 and how? Overwhelming. Overwhelming. I'll never, never forget it. When we come back, J1Q. It's time for just one question, and that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbage, Kelly, and George, LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need assistance with workers' comp and medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been designated Super Lawyers, capital S, capital L, for the past 15 years. And yes, that is a real thing. The Super Lawyer designation is reserved for the top 5% of all attorneys in Pennsylvania. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. Today's J1Q comes from Jesse in Erie who asks, if the Steelers win out, does that guarantee that they keep Matt Canada? Just in case you thought we could keep this on the warm and fuzzy for an entire episode. Jesse, I feel you. I really do. On this specific subject, I can't help but watch the offense and think to myself, boy, it'd be wonderful if these kids could progress, uh, show new wrinkles to their development with each passing week, and yet somehow that it won't get obfuscated that this coordinator has no business being in the National Football League and won't be of help to that process if he's retained. I'm going to be blunt, as I often am when it comes to Canada, and say that it's just, it's soul-crushing to watch what happens to be legitimate talent on offense get wasted by this awful coordinator. Not that the players themselves don't make mistakes. This is not an absolute stance. Very few stances should be on anything in life. When Kenny Pickett throws an interception the way he did the other night on the worst read, the worst decision, followed by the trifecta of the worst throw you'll ever see, that is 1,000% on Kenny. When Pat Fryermuth drops a pass, when George Pickens, okay, George Pickens doesn't do anything wrong. There are events that take place on the football field that are failures for the offense, that have nothing to do with Canada. But one can also discuss those in the same context as everything that Canada does wrong. I I can't beat what Steve Smith, the, the former outstanding wide receiver of the Panthers, said in his role 
as analyst for CBS after the game. Matt Canada. This is Matt Canada. This was the quarterback coach who became who became the offensive coordinator. At times, the offense is inconsistent. It is. It is inconsistent because they don't have the playmakers. It's inconsistent because the play designs are very Saturday-ish. Oh. Saturday-ish is the meanest description I've heard to describe the Canada offense. And at the same time, it's what I've heard from other former players within the Steelers' world. What makes it striking coming from Smith isn't that he's speaking his mind. He did that his whole career. It's that it's from an outside perspective, and it's to an extent from a distant perspective, meaning he's not around this team on any regular basis. He comes into Pittsburgh, he watches the game that's played right in front of him, and he sees the routes that his wide receiver peers are running. He sees the way the offense is taking shape, and because he's with us up in the press box, he's seeing it from a higher elevation, which can help you, particularly when it comes to X's and O's. He saw that. He followed up this game. His raw observations. And look, I I don't get to hear broadcasts. Uh, when you're in the press box, there's no audio. There's no sound. There are two different sets of monitors. One is a stadium monitor. One is a silent TV monitor. Again, no sound, no commentary. That applies to 100% of press boxes in 100% of all sports. So I don't know what it is that these guys are saying. And every once in a while, someone will send me a note says, oh, this guy said this and this person said that and whatever. And I just have no reaction to it in large part because I also will recognize that they're not always right. But when I hear what Smith said, and I have so much corroboration for it and I'm watching the games myself. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think. That the people who are running the Pittsburgh Steelers, notably, notably, Art Rooney, have in mind that their coordinator ain't it. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. 